I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me, Josh Rogers, founder and chief executive officer of Mintrest. What we're talking about now is DeFi, shifting expectations of DeFi users and how the industry can adapt. What are the changes in what users want and what does the industry need to do to adapt? Well, I mean, this is a great time for a podcast given last week's meltdown in the markets. And, um, and there are some fundamental things that have just completely altered. One advantage I, I claim to have is that I'm older than everybody else. I've been building startups now for a very long time. And what, we've, what we're seeing just recently looks a lot like 2000. You know, where we had the tech It's the dot-com bubble again, isn't it? It is. It is. And the thing is, it's a threat and a huge opportunity. And when you look at what actually happened at the end of dot-com, the white noise got cleared out, right? All the models that were experiments that really didn't have longevity got cleared out. And then what happened was real value started to get built. And uh, I think that we're on the cusp of that opportunity or that moment right now in blockchain. So we've gone past the stage, again, to liken it to the dot-com bubble. People used to boast about their burn rate, how much money you were getting through every month. (laughs) Not how much money you were making, how much you were spending and losing. Well, the other thing that that was also like rampant, I suppose, in the dot-com boom was just incredible investor speculation without really understanding what inherent value was getting created. And I think that that we've seen a lot of that in crypto in the last two years. And I think really what matters now going forward is what inherent value is actually getting built. So that that comes back to your comment around burn rate, just burning money for no reason doesn't make any sense. And what is the inherent value that the DAP that you're building is actually creating? And and from my perspective, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Well, let's start with that building block then. We're talking about a decentralized finance blockchain. What's the inherent value there? Why will that survive? DeFi is a subset of like what we call 3.0, which is decentralized networks, is really a subset of traditional systems. So the answer is that DeFi is not going to replace financial markets. It's not going to be a something that will come away and wipe away traditional finance. It's a subset of the to- total financial sector. And if it delivers uh, value to users who wish to use DeFi assets in the way uh, that DeFi does, it enables you to leverage your assets and work those assets. Well, that is a very, very significant user case. That user case is not going to go away tomorrow. Is DeFi going to take over the financial world and and destroy the banking sector? The answer is no. It's It's a niche. It's a subset of the entire financial sector. And its ability to deliver value, uh, in my view, is only going to get better because so many of the existing projects were operating what could only be described as a Ponzi model. You know, as long as you got in and you could get out fast, you could possibly make money, but the, the thing was always going to blow up. And there were hundreds of these. And now what's happened is the storm that has come through from the collapse of terror is going to make a lot of these unviable. And that means cleaning out the cupboard, so to speak, of unviable projects. And meaning, and that what that means is that what, what actually wins going forward is quality and quality that actually creates real value. Yes, I suppose if you look at it historically, by the way, I have a bridge in Brooklyn you might be interested in and also a very nice black tulip bowl. Well, I'm Australian. I've got a bridge I can sell you as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Looking ahead, though, 
One of the things that I've seen blockchain be embraced by has been trade finance, where it's great for tracking documents and following a document flow. That's one of the blockchain uses. Decentralized finance, I guess, is another. Has the correction played itself out or is there more to come, though? Well, I think we're in a bear market. So, you know, I think that's fairly obvious. What what happens in in any bear market? The bear market's not driven by crypto, but by macro considerations like interest rates globally. So, you know, for the last 10 years or so, money has been free. And we all know what happens when money's free, and that is that it pours excessively the things that it shouldn't necessarily go into. And when it recorrects, there's a lot of pain. Now, we've seen this cycle over and over and over again. And we're seeing it globally now. And there's a whole range of other factors, including you know, China's Omicron policy and the Ukraine war and its impact on wheat prices that are all driving into inflation that do seem to indicate that interest, higher interest rates are, are very much coming for the medium to long term. Now, that's going to suck liquidity out of, out of crypto, just like it will out of every other market. And that means exactly what we saw post-2000. You're going to see this concentration of users and of value around those projects that generate the most powerful network effects. That's a good thing. You know, if if blockchain is going to be sustainable, its user cases need to be creating real value, you know, long-term and not just relying on, uh, you know, speculation. So can we simplistically, because I'm... A simplistic kind of guy. Can we simplistically quantify what some of the features the winners are going to have? Well, if you look at Ethereum, for example, like there's been this incredible kind of foray of of, of new networks, like things like Polkadot. You've seen things like Solana, Algorand, Cardano, etc. But there's a very significant array of independent networks that have come out, and you're going to see a concentration of users occur around networks like Ethereum. I've really altered my view on this. In the last two years, what we have seen is we were expecting this explosion of different networks creating different offerings, and there definitely will be more. But what you're going to see is established networks where people understand how things work, and we're going to start to see less of you know small, rapid, high-speculation projects like NFTs, for example, dominating the sector. We, we, you know, we're, we're back to... Uh, really what is sustainable. And what is sustainable is is intrinsic value that actually users do want and do want to use and makes a real difference in their lives. That's what happened in 2.0. Just to maintain my simplistic standpoint, show me the money. Show me where I get value, other than as a pure rampant piece of speculation, which is what a lot of cryptocurrency has been. I don't think anybody would argue with that. No, absolutely not. But like, there's like, like DeFi, for example, is one user case. Now, you know, I always think that um, NFTs will be a niche case at best. But you're seeing things where you're seeing, um, you know, blockchain moving into very significant uh, use cases with um, enterprise. Uh, logistics is one of the things that you were talking around, but there's a whole range of others. Uh, we're seeing use cases moving into government as well in terms of record keeping all kinds of different aspects where those sorts of things occur. But not just that, we're seeing an array of new use cases emerge. Really what's happened is the maturing of DeFi is about two years old. And it really did happen from about May 2020 or June 2020 onwards. Now, during that time, we've seen, uh, you know, new use of the cases emerge, DeFi being one of them. And that trend will continue. 
you think about platforms in 2.0, you know, back in 2000, Facebook didn't exist. You know, we didn't even have social media. Oh, and happy times. <laughs> probably were happy times, yeah. But if you think about the vast array of user cases that have emerged on that kind of technology, the use cases for blockchain are not just simply extensions of existing technological use cases. There'll be a whole range of uh, exciting, new, very creative solutions. And in many ways, you know, the, the current boom has driven concentration of effort and money and resources into things that don't have longevity because of the speculation. But now we're into the real game. And the real game means that if you want to get funded and you want to be able to survive over time, which you must do in a bear market, you've got to have a model that generates real value. And that won't just be in DeFi. You know, we actually have NFTs as part of our platform, but we we don't have collectible NFTs. You know, we have NFTs that have utility and functionality. And I, I think we're going to see more of that exist. But you're, all going to see, you're also going to see this emergence of online applications right around DeFi. We're seeing that occurring right now. The whole gaming world is changing and people tend to forget how big it is. You know, the gaming industry is absolutely massive. And, you know, there's enormous applications for blockchain in that sphere as well. So what you're actually describing there is opportunities that can show me the money as opposed to people who just talk about it. From my perspective, I just think that's really good news. I, I don't, uh, you know, this is going to sort the wheat from the chuff. You know, this will sort the men from the boys. And that is, there's nothing about that that scares me. Uh, at a fundamental level, if you can't build a sustainable long-term business, you know, you're kind of living on hope. Now, now, one of the other things that's going to shake out as well is the whole venture capital market. Well, like a lot of what we would call these Ponzi models have been funded by investors who really didn't care whether the money was like the model was sustainable what they just wanted to know was they could get in and out at a profit and you know as as the markets tighten up as liquidity tightens up you're going to see investors take a much harder look at what they're investing in and seeing whether or not it is sustainable over the longer term and you know that's where real value gets created so the, the money's getting smarter but the money will get smarter and that means that the the, the projects that we see coming out will get smarter the, the ones that are built properly that are built for sustainability now will survive and in fact they will probably flourish because you know there's a thinning of the crowd going on and those that survive will probably do very very well in terms of growing market share and, and brand and community but that's not a that's not a painless process it's 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 been a uh, as we all know from last week, it's been a pretty, you know, crazy process. But th we saw this exact same thing happen, you know, 22 years ago. And from my perspective, what we're looking at here is a complete replay. Josh Rogers, founder and chief executive officer of Mintrust, thank you very much.